While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. Hart County is the only Georgia county named for a woman. And that woman was Nancy Hart, who was an extraordinary woman who lived a life of patriotism and adventure. At least according to the stories. There are a lot of stories about Nancy Hart, but let's start with those facts that can be in some way proven. For this part of Nancy's story, we refer to a 1955 article written by no less than E. Merton Coulter, the UGA professor who supplied so much of what we know about the vanished town of Aurora. Nancy Hart was born Anne Morgan to parents who at some point moved from Pennsylvania to North Carolina. She may have been born in either place. This is an interesting point. The name Nancy in the 1700s was a more endearing form of the name Anne, and this does come up in a lot of 18th century records. It was a story within her family that her father's sister married a man named Boone and had a son, Daniel Boone. Many of Nancy Hart's stories refer to Daniel Boone as her cousin. E. Merton Coulter, however, notes that there's no real documentation to prove the connection. And in the time I spent searching Daniel Boone's genealogy and family tree, I didn't find any mention of the two being related. Either way, Nancy Morgan married Benjamin Hart, who was part of a fairly prominent family in the area. And the Hart family moved to South Carolina and then Georgia in 1771. They lived on the Broad River in what was then Wilkes County on land that would later be appropriated into Elbert County, raising a family of six sons and two daughters. Benjamin was a lieutenant of the Georgia militia when the revolution broke out, and while he was away comes the time of Nancy's legendary dealings with the British. For Nancy's adventures during the war, we turn to another 1955 article by Cecil Wesley where E. Merton Coulter examines and lists the facts and gives the footnotes of Nancy Hart's life, Wesley tells the tales. Here we meet Nancy Hart in her cabin on Broad River with her children. The revolution has started and her husband has gone to war. Apparently not far though, as he does have occasion to visit his home from time to time. Nancy can shoot a gun with accuracy and is known for her skill in cooking and in natural medicine. One day, she was engaged in making soap, a smelly and potentially dangerous task as it involved boiling fat and lye. While stirring the pot, she told the children surrounding her about the hated British and the various atrocities that were associated with them. Out of the corner of her eye, she spotted one child surreptitiously pointing toward the wall. And looking over, saw a human eye on the other side of a crack or opening in the wall. She knew it to be one thing, another Tory spy sent to watch over her and report her activities back to the British. Nodding slightly to indicate to the child that she too saw the spy outside, she returned her attention to the pot and the boiling soap within. Quick as lightning, she took up the ladle and cast the boiling liquid toward the gap in the wall. Ah! 
The Tory outside screamed in pain and Nancy Hart and her family stepped leisurely outside to capture and restrain the now one-eyed spy. She locked him in the smokehouse, apparently for some time, as Wesley mentions that she does provide some food and balm for his lost eye. At one point, a Continental soldier came flying past with some British in pursuit. Nancy informed the soldier that a spy was confined in her smokehouse and asked the rider to send a message to the commander before sending him on his way. Of course, when the British showed up and asked if she had seen any rebel soldiers, she just pointed in a different direction and watched them ride off. Another time, things started to go badly for the Continental Army and a large force of Native Americans and British soldiers moved into the area. Nancy was warned by her neighbors that it was time to leave home and take shelter in a nearby but currently empty fort. She and her children, joined by several other neighbor women and their children, entered the fort and bolted the door just as the enemy arrived. Everyone in the fort stood still and began praying for deliverance, but Nancy Hart was searching for a way to defend themselves. The fort did have a single cannon, but it was too heavy for Nancy to pull into position and none of the other women were willing to lend her any assistance. Still searching the fort, she pulled up an old piece of cowhide and found below it a single man, obviously hiding and shaking with fear. Nancy asked him to help move the cannon. He told her to open the door and surrender before anybody got hurt. She pulled a knife from her dress and held it to the man's throat, and that was enough to convince him to help move the cannon. Nancy herself loaded and fired the cannon into the midst of the attacking British and Native Americans, and a single shot was all it took for them to turn around and retreat into the forest, leaving the fort alone. That's a good story. Legend has it, from then on, the Native American tribes referred to Nancy Hart as War Woman. Eventually, the creek near her cabin became known, and is still known, as War Woman Creek. The number of British soldiers in the area was increasing, and more and more homes were being raided by loyalists who would demand the owner sign a loyalty oath to the king and then ransack their property if they refused. Some of these were genuinely loyal and true British subjects, but some were unscrupulous fellows who were only out to settle old scores or gather some wealth for themselves. Benjamin Hart who had slipped away from the camp for a short visit home, told his wife that several scouts had been lost in the effort to determine the British Army's numbers across the Savannah River in South Carolina. Seizing the opportunity, she put on a set of her husband's clothes and set off on the 10-mile walk to the Savannah. It took a few days. Crossing the Savannah River on a raft she made herself, she approached the British camp with some eggs and baked goods that she had brought from home, posing as a local man looking to make some money selling his wares to the soldiers. 
She made this trip more than once and became a welcome distraction for the bored soldiers, but each time she stayed to chat, she gathered more information and brought it back to the Continental Army. In the long run, this information helped the Continental Army retake Augusta and helped to bring about an end to the war. And now we get to the story Nancy Hart is best known for. The war was coming to a close and the British soldiers were getting desperate. A party of six wandered into the Hart family property and confronted Nancy, demanding food and a place to rest. Nancy argued that she didn't feel obligated to feed the king's men, especially after the hunger and general want that had overcome the area since the start of the war. The soldiers didn't want to hear her complaints, and they shot the single turkey Nancy possessed. They gathered it up and demanded that she prepare it for them, while they put down their guns and rested in the shade. Nancy Hart did as she was told, but while preparing the meal, she helped her young daughter sneak out of the house and alert the neighbors that enemy soldiers were in the area. The soldiers sat down to eat the food, but once their attention was diverted by the turkey, Nancy raised a gun and ordered them to stand still. They were her prisoners. One soldier stood up and tried to charge her, but she shot him, and he fell dead to the ground. She held the others at gunpoint while the neighbors assembled, and they watched as she hanged the enemy soldiers who had taken the last of her family's food on a nearby oak tree. Those are great stories. And now we go back to E. Merton Coulter and the facts for the remainder of Nancy Hart's life. Around 1791, the Harts sold their property in Wilkes and moved around a little. For a little while, they were in Alabama, and then they went to South Carolina and eventually settled in Brunswick, Georgia. Benjamin was fairly prosperous, enough to own slaves, and served as a justice of the peace and a justice of the inferior court. He died in 1802 and is buried in Brunswick. Nancy lived with her son in Clark County for a time, and this was when stories of her Revolutionary War exploits began to become widespread. She died in Kentucky, possibly near the age of 95, but her exact date of death and the location of her grave are not clearly known. Hart County took her name in 1853. I do have one more fact about Nancy Hart, but first I want to remind you that Moving Through Georgia is a history podcast focusing on Northeast Georgia. If you wanted to give us a positive review or a rating, that would be great. If you have any questions, comments, or criticisms, they are all welcome at movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. And if you have any good stories of living in Northeast Georgia to share, or you have any spooky stories, any ghost stories, UFO stories, Bigfoot sightings, I would love to hear them. All right, movingthroughgeorgia at gmail.com. Okay, one last story. In 1912, a group of railroad laborers were preparing the ground to lay track in Elbert County near what might have been the site of Nancy Hart's home, possibly within half a mile. The men found six bodies in a neat line under three feet of earth. The discovery was reported in one newspaper. The author states pretty conclusively that these were the six soldiers who were hanged. 
Although the story was printed in several papers, they're basically identical. One person obviously wrote the story or the press release, and it was printed more or less verbatim in the other papers. Some local history websites say that the necks were broken, which is a sure sign of hanging, but the original newspaper stories simply say that the bones were disjointed. I'm assuming that means they weren't connected anymore, probably because they were in an advanced enough state of decomposition to rule out any real recent foul play. One website had the probable site of Nancy's cabin and the path of the railroad, and they both seemed to come together near a spot marked C-E-M. Yeah, before the railroad, that area was a cemetery. It's a really good story, though, and if you ever share the story of Nancy Hart around a campfire or in a classroom or on a long car ride, leave out the part about the cemetery being there. Just tell them they found the bodies. It's a good ending for the story. Down in Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an aid that pretty gal to Georgia, that's all.